Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Breaking news tonight, more than 16,000 dead. As the death toll from coronavirus crosses another threshold, New York's governor compares the outbreak to 9-11 and pleads for help from funeral directors. That is so shocking and painful and breathtaking. I don't even have the words for it. His urgent warning tonight, could there be another wave if people stop social distancing? Unemployment surges. The stark new numbers, more than 6 million Americans filed jobless claims in just the last week. Nearly 17 million now out of work since the crisis began. Long lines, Americans struggling to feed their families, now waiting hours just to get food. So why is Congress fighting over more funding to help those in need? Close to home, a doctor's struggle, why he can't care for the patients he cares about most, his parents. I'm so helpless in this whole process. Preventing the next outbreak, inside the effort to close those markets for exotic animals, where the deadly virus was first spread. Why are they still in business? And moments of grace, Americans coming together in crisis, the meaningful ways tonight that we're all growing closer, even when we're forced to be apart. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news, two stark numbers that show how dramatically coronavirus has changed life in America. Tonight, the death toll nationwide has now reached more than 16,000 and more than 6 million Americans have filed for unemployment in just the last week. In New York today, the governor compared the pandemic to September 11th, calling it evil and stressing that people should continue to stay at home, even though there are signs that the curve may be flattening. That's because fewer people are being admitted to the hospital now, 
but more people are still dying each day. Nationwide, there are now 425,000 confirmed cases, though there are still concerns that without widely available testing, those numbers may not represent the total amount of infections. And as we come on the air tonight, a plan to add another $250 billion to that fund to loan money to small businesses has stalled in Congress, even as the number of Americans who have lost their jobs since the crisis began has now reached nearly 17 million. That's twice the population of New York City. Our team is covering every angle of this, and we'll get to the financial fallout in just a moment. But Mola Lenghi leads us off tonight in the epicenter of the crisis, New York City. Mola? Well, Nora, health officials canceled plans today to open up another field hospital in New York City, similar to this one here in Central Park. Why? Hospitalizations have flattened for five days in a row. So, while there are encouraging signs, today was still a sobering day here in New York City. Today, another deadly record high, reminding some of the last time so many New Yorkers were lost. It was a silent explosion that just ripples through society with the same randomness, the same evil that we saw on 9-11. The number of patients hospitalized in New York grew by its smallest number in weeks. Everybody is assuming, well, Once we get through this, we're done. I wouldn't be so quick to assume that. Over the last few days at sunny downstate in Brooklyn, admissions have declined slightly, but the fight continues. They're going down the tubes. I mean, rapidly going down the tubes. Julie Eason heads up a team of respiratory therapists who manage the needs of patients on ventilators minute by minute. They're so tired from the effort of breathing that they can't do it anymore on their own. Tired of breathing. That's that's the point that they've gotten to. Their muscles are exhausted, and they literally are so tired they can't breathe. Today is the predicted peak for single-day deaths in Detroit. Jennifer Ralco, a stressed and overworked nurse in a hospital there, saw three bodies taken to the morgue during a recent 20-hour shift. It definitely struck me that I'm taking this many patients to the morgue. You know, that's a a bad day. But unfortunately, there are days that that has become a normal during this coronavirus time. Hospitals in New Orleans have geared up for a surge of COVID-19 patients. A lot of those patients that we admit to our hospitals ultimately become even sicker and require intubation and ventilatory support. That's new to us. And some news on the source of the first COVID-19 cases in New York City. Researchers at Mount Sinai Hospital have traced them to European and U.S. sources rather than introductions from China where the virus originated. Dr. Anthony Fauci is looking for light on the horizon. It is very likely that we will progress towards the steps towards normalization as we get to the end of this 30 days. But hopefully and hopefully by the time we get to the summer, we will have taken many steps in that direction. A season of change without so many loved ones, including 27-year-old Leilani Jordan. She was a grocery store clerk in Maryland who kept working despite the risks to help her elderly customers. Her mother was allowed into the hospital in her last moments. When they got her, she had 104 fever. And they put her in isolation. And she said, she called me. She says, Mommy, I can barely breathe. Well, the peak in U.S. deaths is expected to hit this Sunday, Easter Sunday. And Governor Cuomo here warns that even as we see a flattening and an eventual fall in cases as well as deaths, 
that we need to anticipate a potential second and third wave in this virus. Nora? Mola, thank you so much. The other big story tonight is the economy, as a historic number of Americans file unemployment claims. The 6.6 million new claims bring the total from just the last three weeks to almost double the number of jobs lost in the entire Great Recession. We have two reports tonight, including the ripple effect each job loss has on the economy. But first, Mark Strassman is in Atlanta. And Mark, this is a desperate situation for so many. Desperate is a good word for it, Nora, as America grapples with twin epidemics, the coronavirus and unemployment. And week after week, they both keep spreading. By far, Georgia's jobless numbers jumped the most, three times more unemployment claims than last week. Combined, Michigan, New York, and Texas bled more than one million jobs. And California alone lost 925,000 more jobs, including Walter Almendarez's. I don't have the money for the rent. In Van Nuys, the laid-off Hotel Bellman waited outside a food bank in a line of 2,000 cars. I don't have a job. I have a seven-month daughter. We don't have a health insurance. We don't have nothing. 16.8 million jobs lost in three weeks. That's roughly 11% of the U.S. workforce and greater than all the jobs added in the past six years. Maybe most importantly, we don't know which of these people will permanently be unemployed. Today's numbers don't include Lene Braxton, a jobless wellness coach outside Atlanta. Did it disappear like that? Instantly. Georgia will begin processing unemployment claims of self-employed people like her next week. Financially, yes. are you stressed? Very stressed. And quite honestly, Mark, there's no amount of meditation that can take that away. Back in Van Nuys, Almendarez got 36 pounds of free food. That helps, but it won't pay the rent. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Atlanta. I'm Chris Van Cleve. When coronavirus stopped Americans from flying and major airlines slashed flights, the regional carrier pilot Josh Hitchcock flew for abruptly shut down. Their business and his job evaporated. You take off in one environment, and when you land, it's just a completely different world you landed in. Uh, That's how fast it really felt like it was changing. And sent job-killing ripples through the entire economy. No tourists flying into Orlando's airport forced Mears Transportation to park its fleet of 1,000 sedans, tour, and shuttle buses. Well, it all just came to a screeching halt. We're certainly operating at a loss today. Losing money even after furloughing more than 750, like bus driver Chuck Dolan. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to pay that bill? When are we going to get back to work? Well, are we talking two weeks? Are we talking 30 days, 45 days? So um, it, it was just the uncertainty. Disney World and area beaches are closed. So are restaurants and bars. Some hotels have shut down. It's really devastating, especially for a very small inn like mine. Carol Ballard's Thurston House bed and breakfast hasn't had a guest in three weeks. Her next booking is in November. The bills don't stop. The electric doesn't stop. The water doesn't stop. We lease this property so that doesn't go away. Bernice Delgado used to clean the rooms there. Now this mother of three is lucky to do three houses a week. March 17th, it was cancellation, cancellation, cancellation. It is intimidating and just, it puts fear in you for sure. We picked Orlando because it's the number one tourist destination in the U.S., but this is happening everywhere. The direct impact of 
trips not taken is estimated to be about $135 billion this year. That's going to ripple through the economy. So the actual hit is likely to be closer to $900 billion and potentially millions of jobs lost. Nora. All right, Chris, thank you. President Trump is preparing to reopen the economy next month, forming a new task force to work out the details. But health experts and some governors warn that moving too fast could risk another wave of infections. Weijia Zhang is at the White House tonight with all those details. Weijia? Honor, President Trump cannot technically turn the economy on and off, but he can forego or extend the federal social distancing guidelines set to expire at the end of this month. The president is clearly torn as he tries to save lives and livelihoods. With the economy in freefall, President Trump is under pressure to get the country back to business by May 1st. It would be nice to uh, be able to open with a big bang and open up our country. The president is forming a second coronavirus task force focused on reopening the economy. But the decision is not up to the administration. Governors will make the call and some are already rejecting the time frame. Until we have a vaccine, which is months and months away, um, I, I would not risk having large groups of people getting together uh, anywhere. Others have warned a hasty return could cost lives. I do worry that if we rush back to work, um, as some of the rhetoric has implied, you could have a second and third wave of this pandemic. Medical experts say public health has to take priority over the economy. Many can't imagine returning to normal by May without travel restrictions. Everyone wearing masks and widespread testing, which still isn't available despite the president's assurances. We need a whole lot of testing. We need the federal government to step up. We need them to do it quickly. Today, journalists here at the White House had to take that rapid test that returns results in 15 minutes. The first lady tweeted out this picture of herself wearing a mask, urging others to do the same. And on Capitol Hill, lawmakers are still clashing over that extra $250 billion to help small businesses as Democrats push to add protection for those owned by minorities. Nora. All right, Weijia, thank you. And now to a story that underscores the emotional toll of the pandemic. Tonight, a surgeon from San Diego is unable to treat the patients who matter most to him, his parents. Jamie Yukas tonight with one family's struggles. You know, uh, I have had uh, a lot of crying spells. <laughs> California physician Greg Mundus feels helpless. His father has been on a ventilator for three weeks at a Missouri hospital. What does that tell you as a physician? Not much good, to be honest with you. And certainly the longer you're on a ventilator, the worse it is. Horrible. Horrible. We've been married almost 49 years. This is the longest we have ever gone without talking to each other. The cruel irony is that both of Greg's parents in their late 60s got infected with coronavirus. His father was the picture of health. His mother, Sandra, had underlying conditions and was treated right away with experimental drugs. My dad's on the ventilator, and my mom, who has diabetes and chronic lung disease, is not, which doesn't make sense, right? That early management, especially my, someone like my mom, probably saved her life. Greg's father could not get tested right away because of a shortage of test kits. By the time he was, it was too late. I literally feel like I failed my dad. You know, like I'm so helpless in this whole process. My son's an amazing person in many ways. 
and he should never, ever feel guilty. One family, like so many others, clinging to hope. But I do believe he's going to get through this. Powerless to help. My dad is a pretty remarkable human being. His life deserves to be celebrated, whether he makes it through this or not. Jamie Yuka, CBS News, Los Angeles. So many families are going through. And there is encouraging news tonight about the health of Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He's out of intensive care, but still in the hospital being treated for the coronavirus. 55-year-old Johnson is said to be in good spirits. Health officials believe COVID-19 originated in animals sold in a so-called wet market in China. In fact, researchers tell us 70 percent of emerging infectious diseases in humans are transmitted from animals. Dr. Anthony Fauci is leading worldwide calls to shut down markets like that one in China to prevent the next epidemic. So we decided to take a closer look tonight. And here's Remy Innocencio. These images provided by a Wuhan resident show the infamous market before it was shut down. Stacks of caged animals from marmots to muntjacs to snakes and even porcupines, all being sold for human consumption. This is the market now, abandoned as it was in January when CBS News was first on the ground in Wuhan to report on the outbreak. The World Health Organization says an animal is probably the source of this new virus. That's because a coronavirus found in bats shares 96% of its genetic sequence with COVID-19. Scientists believe bats spread it to other animals in the market, which spread it to humans. But similar markets around the world remain open, and that's a grave concern. I want the wild animal markets closed. Infectious disease expert Ian Lipkin. If you take wild animals and put them into a market with domestic animals, where there's an opportunity for some virus to jump species. You are creating a superhighway for viruses to go from the wild into people. China has pledged to clamp down on wet markets before with little results. But other countries have not. We have a world where we're trying to feed almost 8 billion people. And so the markets of Asia have become an important way to feed that part of the world's population. We do need to change that. Ramey Innocencio, CBS News, Tokyo. Tonight, Miss England is trading in her sash and tiara for medical scrubs. 24-year-old Basha Mukherjee is returning to her job as a junior doctor and respiratory specialist. She was traveling in India when she decided to join her colleagues on the front lines back home. For years, customers at Tybee Island, Georgia's Sandbar marked their visit by leaving money on the walls. Now, with the bar closed, owner Jennifer Knox worried about her employees. So Knox took the bills down and paid it forward to her people. The wall hall came to $3,714. It turns out the bar is a gold mine and a lifeline for its workers. We are living through truly extraordinary times. Officials warned this week in particular would be like another 9-11 another Pearl Harbor. So we thought it was time to focus on those things that remind us we are all in this together. These are the images we will never forget. Our heroes in hospitals. Thank you, guys. Used to saving lives, not risking their own. But each night, that sound as the city stops at 7 p.m. to let doctors and nurses hear our gratitude. How is it that in this era of physical distancing that we now feel more socially connected than ever before? Through prayer and with music. Imagine all 
Businesses may be closed, but our hearts have opened to the simple, beautiful gifts of life, to the realization that the easiest gift of all to give is our kindness. We are embracing our common humanity, that in these United States of America, lending a hand in time of need is how we show patriotism. We rally to fill the food lines and help those in need. We watch with awe our military men and women build hospitals in days and send comfort and mercy weeks ahead of schedule. We thank all our essential workers like those in grocery stores and restaurants because while we are united in a sense of grief of what we have lost, we are also united in what we have found, a shared sense of hope that we will emerge from this together. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, Steve Hartman's on the road, this time with the story of a newspaper carrier making special deliveries to his customers stuck at home. And remember, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.